series this morning as I take off this jacket that I don't care for. Again, we'll continue in a series tonight on tearing down strongholds, which I preached about the stronghold of lust last Sunday. If you missed that message, whoo, you missed a ringer. It was a powerful word. It's recorded online, and uh, you can go check that out on Ustream. Also, I'd encourage you to be a part of our podcast, and uh, you can find that. Uh, by going to our website and clicking a subscription there, kcalaska.com. Right there you can find a subscription to the podcast and it will play on whatever player you have on your computer. And you can download that onto your iPod if you have one or your phone. And you can listen to those messages and equip yourself with the work of ministry. Powerful, powerful messages that are on there. There's an archive and you can be a part of that. Last Sunday's message I got some responses from you all on and uh, apparently it hit home. And uh, it is a, a message that needs to be preached to the church in America. It's a message that needs to be preached really in every nation about the stronghold of lust. We will continue about in, in the series on tearing down strongholds tonight. We'll preach another uh, message in the series of tearing down strongholds. A stronghold is a lie. It's a what? It's a lie that's gotten into your mind. It's a set way of thinking that's contrary to God's Word. Anything that's contrary to God's Word is not truth. His Word is truth. I have hidden your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Amen? So strongholds are lies that can get into our thinking. And if you're believing a lie, then you'll be subject to the results of that. The power of the enemy, he has no power in our lives unless we yield to him. And one of the ways that he gets us to yield to him is by believing a lie. And so we've been tearing down strongholds. It's a powerful series. Don't miss tonight. Service will be at 6 o'clock. This morning, I want to start a new series on revival. I'm going to do a series of messages on revival. What revival is, the purpose for revival. What, is, what does that mean? How do we have revival? The cost for revival. Revival's in the past and history. and um, It's a tremendous series that I've wanted to do for a while. And I want to preach the first message in that series. And as I said, I don't have notes for you, so I hope that you take your own. Hallelujah. Let's look at Acts 9. Acts 9. And if I was to preach one message, if I just had one message to preach about revival, this would be it. The most important message of all. Acts 9, verse 1. Meanwhile, Paul, still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples, he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue of Damascus, so that, he, so that if he found any who belonged to the way, whether man or woman, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? he asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and I will, and you will be told, pardon me, what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind. He did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answers. The Lord told him, 
go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for the man of Tarsus named Saul, for he's praying. In the vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come to the, come to the, the place, his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord Ananias answered, I've heard many threats about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come with the authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much I must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it placed his hands on him. He said, Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. And he got up, was baptized after taking some food. He regained his strength. Just a few more verses. Saul Spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. Verse 21. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't this the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who called on his name? And hasn't he come here to take prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. And after many days had gone by, the Jews conspired to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night, they kept close watch of the city. They kept close watch of the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through the opening of the wall. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you're going to do, for what you've already done. Thank you for your grace that's upon us. Holy Spirit, come. Would you invite the presence of God today to move in power in your life? If you have the freedom to pray in the Spirit, just do that right now. Hallelujah. You may be seated. There are moments that come in your life that define who you are. Your birth would probably be one of them. If you didn't have a moment like that, you wouldn't be here. The day you got married. Things that happened. How about the day you gave your heart to Jesus? What a day. There's defining moments in history. You can look at World War I, World War II. The most defining moment in history to me is the life of Jesus, His death and resurrection. But there's other moments like the printing press, the invention of Gutenberg's printing press, the first, the first book ever made. You know what the first book ever made was? The book, the Bible, was the first book that was ever made. Still the number one bestseller worldwide. I want to talk to you about having an encounter with God. I want to talk to you about revival in this first message of the series. Really, maybe it should be called Vival. Re means to visit something again. Vival, life. Revive. Some of you have never had life. So how are you going to revive something that's... 
what is desperately needed in our community, what's desperately needed in our state, in our nation, in the nations of the earth, is a great outpouring of the Spirit of God. There's a much needed need for revival. If you want, you can turn there. Job 42, verse 5. Job says this. God comes to him in a whirlwind. It's at the end of the book of Job. Comes to him in a whirlwind and he says, Gird yourself like a man and stand up. He does that. Job puts his hand over his mouth. He says, Job 42, verse 5. I have heard by the, of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes seest thee. It's one thing to read the book, people. It's one thing to read your Bible. It's one thing to understand, memorize, and know Scripture. It's a good thing. Hide His Word in your heart that you might not sin against Him. Psalm 119. It's great to know the Word. But all of the Word is so that you could actually meet the author. If all you do is learn intellectually, theological truths, and that doesn't bring you to an encounter with, with God, then you'll just, that, those theological truths will just serve you to become more religious. The, the, peop, the church doesn't need more religious people. The community doesn't need more religious people. What the community needs, what our world needs, is a revival. Somebody who's had an encounter with God. I'm not going to ask how many of you have led somebody to Jesus, but I'm the, the, the great, one of the greatest rushes that can happen in the life of a believer is somebody who leads somebody, somebody to Christ. Now, we have passed out the four spiritual laws before. We have passed out tracts. We've done all kinds of things like that. And those are great. They're methods. They can work. They're good. But there's nothing like meeting somebody who's actually met Jesus. You say, have you met Jesus? I have. He's visited me. He talks with me. I begin to think about when God first visited me, I start getting choked up. You start testifying. I, I wonder about people. You see, even now when I start talking about that, the atmosphere begins to change. God came to me. God visited me many times. I remember the first days where He used to come and visit me and He'd pour His love all over me. I would feel His presence. All my hair would stand on end, but it was more than that. I would see things and I would hear how much He loved me. And how I was called, even though I was lost. I mean lost, broken young man. I had lived in the streets of New York City. I have lived in the streets of Los Angeles. I have lived in the streets of Seattle. I've been in on countless programs to try to get myself straight, clean, and sane. I'd spent six months in a mental hospital. Two different times, three months at a shop. He said, I don't, I don't believe you. Well, it's the truth. And when God came and visited me, my life got changed. And there's been successive visitations of the Lord. And when you, when, I, when you begin to testify about what God has done for you, what He's done in your life, the atmosphere of the place where you are changes. That's why I, I don't say this, but I want to. I've had people come to me and say, I saw an angel today. And they said such and such and this and that and so and so. But there's no atmosphere change. There's no heaven on it. There's no, there's no anointing on it. And I want to say, no you didn't. 
Because when somebody actually has an angelic encounter, and they or they have an encounter with God, there is a transformation that happens. And when that person begins to talk about that, the whole atmosphere changes. If somebody just says, "Oh yeah, I was talking with them," and they're, I just you know, I just think it's a bunch of bunk. I'm just you know. There has to come in your life an encounter with God. Have you had an encounter with God? Or are you just a religious person? Those of you online, those listening by podcast, have you had an encounter with God? Saul, who we read about here in our text, had a tremendous encounter with God. What Saul's life was like before, we read in Philippians 3, verse 4, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews of the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church. He was a persecutor of the church as to righteousness under the law and blameless. He hated believers. He hated them. He was there when the first martyr was, was martyred, Stephen, standing there. Coats were laid at his feet as he gave his approval of the stoning of Stephen. And here a persecutor of the church, a hater of the church, is now on the road to Damascus, as we read in Acts 9. And God had a moment for him. God was waiting for him at a particular moment. He didn't know it was going to happen. It was a Kairos moment. He's on his way in his mind, doing the will of God, going to head to Damascus to go kill some Christians. He was a Christian killer. Hell-bent on destroying the church. It's interesting to me that God gave him an encounter. I I thought about that. I think he was probably going to do the church great damage. And then I began to think about, you know, questions some of you might have. Well, I'm not like that. I'm, I'm not out persecuting the church. And if you look in Scripture, and we can talk about Moses. Moses had an encounter. He had a burning bush encounter. And when he walked away from the bush, he was changed. You look at Jacob. When he got touched by God, his name was changed to Israel. You look at the lives of men and women in Scripture. When they met God... They were changed. I've known people that have said they've met the Lord. They're still a jerk. They still, they still are, are all messed up in their lives. It's not that once you meet Christ that everything changes immediately. In other words, there's a process of sanctification. But when you really encounter Jesus, it's more than you trying to white-knuckle it and become a Christian. When you really meet Him, something happens. Something changes. Your nature changes. There's conversions, a real thing. I'm really talking more than just about conversion. This is, the, this is Saul's conversion. We like saying that God hit him so hard, it knocked the S off and put a P on it, and he became Paul. And he wrote three quarters of the New Testament. You know, if God could change a, a church-murdering guy... He can change anyone. There's no way to explain the life of Saul who then becomes Paul other than he encountered 
Jesus. If you never encounter Christ in a real way like that, I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about learning the four, the four spiritual laws or Romans Road. I'm not talking about any of that. Have you met Him? Have you had an encounter with Him so much so that you won't go back to your old life because it's pales in comparison to who you've met? Where were you? If you can't answer that question, you've got to ask yourself, well, maybe I haven't had an encounter with God. Revival. God wants to bring us a great outpouring of the Spirit. Paul's on this road and he hits his predetermined point. A light brighter than the noonday shone all around him. Blinding him. He falls to the ground. God begins to reveal things to him, some of which don't come about for another 14 years. And God transformed this man from Saul to who we call Paul. He actually ended up doing more for God than, than a lot of the apostles did. I mean, he was he traveled extensively, but he was not there. See, some people say in their heart, well, if I had been there when Jesus fed the 5,000, then everything would be different for me. If I'd been there when Jesus fed the 4,000, well, I'd really be on fire. Paul was not there at the feeding of the 5,000. Paul was not there at the feeding of the 4,000. Paul was not there when Lazarus was raised from the dead and came out with grave clothes on. Paul was not there to see the resurrection. Paul was not there at these key moments that many in people in Scripture, the apostles, saw. He had an encounter. God revealed him. Jesus revealed himself. Jesus and God are the same. Somebody say amen. amen. Jesus revealed himself to him on the road to Damascus. By revelation, God met him. He said, well, I've never had that kind of thing. You know, the truth is, you don't have to have a blinding light that shines around you, but you do have to be quickened to the understanding that the greater one lives on the inside of you. That the light of heaven lives on the inside of you. That you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You begin to ask God, one of my favorite ways of sharing with people of how to get on fire is you just go home, if you like, and sit on your bed and just sit there and say, God, reveal yourself to me and stay in that place of hunger. He'll touch you in direct proportion to the hunger that you have. I started saying, I'm going to continue, Paul was a passionate man. Saul was passionate. Peter was passionate. They were all working. Everybody that got called in his service, into God's service, were doing something. It's a dangerous place when you're apathetic and you're lethargic. And you sit there and you really just go, well, whatever. I wish that you were hot or cold, but you're lukewarm that I would spew you out of, your, out of my mouth, says the Lord. God transformed Saul into Paul, and He could transform you and me. Charles Finney was a, a great revivalist. Now, in the day of Charles Finney, they studied, he was a lawyer, and lawyers studied law in America by studying the Word of God. The Word of God was the, was the bedrock, the cornerstone for our laws in America during that time. So he said, yeah, too bad it's not that way now. May it return. Amen. Amen. But that's the, way, that's the way America was founded. And so they would train lawyers through Scripture. 
And so he was a lawyer. He decided to go to the local church. And upon visiting the church and hearing them pray, he said, I don't want to be a part of this mess. Because if you read about his life, he talked about these powerless prayers that were prayed. But he understood from being a lawyer that the name of Jesus is the power of attorney. You see, that when you would come in His name, you have the rights of heaven and you have the power of God literally to move forward according to His will and plan. And there's not He, he just took the Bible literally when He read it. If two of you agree, touching anything in the earth, and if you pray in My name, it shall be done. And it has been so watered down so that people, do, people don't pray with power. People don't pray with authority. And he went and he, he experienced that in the church. He said, I don't want to be any part of this. And he went out, as you read about the, bi- the biography of Charles Finney, he went out to the woods and he asked God to come and reveal Himself to him. He prayed. His testimony is amazing. One of the great revivalists in our country. I could go on to talk about those in Scripture, but I'll choose another one. John Cartwright, a circuit, a six-foot-four circuit-riding preacher, a Methodist from the Shouting Methodists of Kentucky. You hear about his life. He would travel. He had a visitation from Jesus. It wasn't just some, some pop-open-a-can Christianity. It wasn't just, you know, Lord, forgive me for my sin, and, and that's it. And he, he literally experienced God. You can experience God to such a way that it blasts religion off of you, sets you on fire, and you'll never choose another course of direction because He so charged you. And until that happens, we won't have revival. John Cartwright got visited by God. He would, he would ride a horse around to different places and preach, have revivals. One story talks about how he came into a, a town and was trying to have meetings, but nobody would respond. He began to pray. And there was a big square dance that was happening in that town. And somebody invited them to the square dance and the Lord told them, I want you to go. He went to the square dance. It was like the whole town turned out for the square dance. John Cartwright's there and this lady asked him to dance. And he felt like the Lord told him to do it. So he went out there to dance with this lady and the whole town doing the square dance. The power of God fell on him out on that dance floor. And he cried out at the top of his lungs, Oh God! The fire, this is history. The fire of the Spirit of God fell at that town square dance and people started falling out. Thud, 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 thud. People started falling under the power of conviction. Started falling out under the presence of the power of the Lord. This is history! This is not something I'm making up. I read about what happened at Azusa Street. where a black man, a one-eyed black man called William Seymour, isn't that a joke? Seymour had one eye. Would stick his head in a chicken crate and pray until the power of God came. I read about about the, the testimonies of the infilling of the Spirit of God on Azusa Street. And sometimes I just think, man, what do we have? Because it's not that. 
I feel like maybe I have a, a, a fraction of that. I, I don't doubt my encounter with Jesus. Yet I know that there's more to come. I will give myself to encounters and divisions. You have to, visions, you have to have an encounter with Jesus. Saul had an encounter with God on the road to Damascus. And I will say this to you this morning, church. You have to have an encounter with God. If you're riding on the coattails of your parents' faith or your grandparents' faith and you've never experienced the power and the fire that John Cartwright experienced, never experienced the fire and the power that Charles Finney experienced, never experienced that which Saul experienced. Abraham. Abraham got a name change. Jacob got a name change. Zacchaeus climbed up a tree. He got so touched by God, little Zacchaeus climbed up some tree. God had the tree there for him. A sycamore tree. Sycamore trees don't grow real fast. For somebody to climb a sycamore tree is a significant sycamore tree. What do you say? I'm saying that God literally had a moment for Zacchaeus where he knew that his son would be coming. He knew that that tree would be there. He protected that little seedling from camels. He protected that little seedling from some little kid ripping it up. Come on, I've tried to grow some plants at my house. Jesus, help me. This sycamore tree grew big enough and for the purpose of which a Zacchaeus, a tax collector, could then climb up into the tree. The whole purpose, I think, of that sycamore tree was for a Zacchaeus to get up, get up into the tree so he could see Jesus, so he could cry out to him and Jesus would say, today I'm coming to your house. Jesus had come to his house. The guy gets so impacted that he started giving all his money away. You know somebody gets touched by God when they don't care about tithing. They don't care about giving. They just want to bless everybody, want to kiss on everybody, want to help everybody, want to pray, can't help but read their Bible. When's the next church service? I can't wait to go to church. Hey, you want to pray? Oh, 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 God! What happened to that? Where were you when you met Jesus? And if you've not had an encounter with them, you're being ripped off. And I'm here to, like I said so many times before, I have anointed to grab the binky and pull it out of your mouth and to tell you, quit sucking on religion. You've got to have an encounter with God. You've got to have an experience with God. You've got to get on fire with God. How? Hunger is one of the main things. I think the Apostle Paul, at this point in Acts 9, named Saul, was so hungry. He was zealous. He thought he was doing the will of the Lord. He had a stronghold. He didn't realize that Jesus really was God. Didn't realize that Jesus really was the Messiah until he had a revelation. You've got to have an encounter with God. When God touches you like that, your family will know you're changed. When God touches you and you have an encounter, the people at work will know something has happened to you. Your countenance will change. I've known people that have come in like the encounter, for instance. We call it the encounter for a reason. Because you're going to encounter Him. If you're hungry, you come with your arms folded in an attitude, then He'll just step over you, no matter how qualified you think you are. I mean, I've known people that just say, well, God knows my name. He knows my number. He could just come and ring my phone anytime He wants to. I'm right here. If He's alive, then I'm just going to be here. And I say, I'm here, you're here, you want me, you can come talk to me. Like, I'm going to tell you something, God's not obligated to come talk to you. That's why he writes, oh, it's good to see you. You're back from fishing. No, he doesn't write that. Hi. I didn't see you. Welcome home. Bless you. 
What was I saying? Yeah, I've said it many times before. Why, are, why does God, you know, why does Jesus t- tell parables? Couldn't he just tell you? No, because he hides truth from casual observers. And he reveals it to the hungry and thirsty. If you're going to make a, write a point, you're going to have an encounter God, you, you're going to have to want one. You want one. I'm a God sovereign. He can just come and mess somebody up like he did Saul and some people that are so angry at God, so miserable and so mean, those are some of the people that are closest to actually having an encounter with God. You think they're about as far as God they could be from God? They're actually real close because they're just sick and tired. Many of them. Come on, somebody say, God, give me an encounter. The result of God meeting the Lord, of, of Saul meeting God, rather, or the Lord, was that he was not only changed, but he had revelation that he was chosen by God. Acts 25, verse, t- verse 16, you can turn there if you want. He had a revelation that his life was for a purpose, a chosen vessel. This morning you need to understand that, that your life is for a purpose. Some of you need to hear that He didn't teach you to swim so you could drown right now. He didn't save you so you could suffocate in black mold. He saved you so that you could be used by Him. There's a plan. But when you have an encounter with God, you, you, you will be a, a much stronger witness than somebody who holds a piece of paper that tries to walk somebody through the Romans road. You can pull somebody aside and begin to tell them, man, I, I, I was hurting and I, I, I asked Jesus to come into my life and everything changed. They will feel that. It's not something that, you know, evangelism, it's not something that's just taught. I can tell you about the Greek pizza at Evangelos with the garlic butter crust. Oh, man. With feta cheese. And I personally like red sauce also. I can tell you about that. I can tell you about the, the, the appetizer they have. That It's a, a squid, calamari. But it's not the deep fried stuff, it's the other stuff. I'm telling you right now, some of you are going to go to lunch right now. You're going to go to lunch. You're going to go to Evangelos and you're going to get this. It's got little crispy deep fried spinach. I'm just telling you right now, it's off the hook. Well, I know it is really good. I mean, we eat that and savor it and just be like, mmm. And if I had a little bottle of Pellegrino with some lemon in it, I'd just be the nearest thing to getting raptured just about. My point is, the only reason I can tell you about the deep, you know, the, the deep fried little leaves of spinach that just crunch just right with just the right amount of seasoning and the, and the, the calamari, thank you, is because I've had it. And I have it just about every time I go there. Now, we did just hear about another appetizer there, and I'm looking forward to trying that. Some shrimp thing. What are you saying? How can you tell somebody about this great encounter with God if you never had one? 
If you've never, if you've never met him on your own personal road to Damascus, isn't it enough that you just go to church? No. You need to get hungry and get thirsty for God to come and visit you. There was a great result in the life of the Apostle Paul. The plan was revealed. He was, he was also helped by others. Can you imagine being Ananias? We never hear about Ananias at any other time. This is the only time we hear about this guy, Ananias. One time, book of Acts, chapter 9. He was obviously a disciple. He obviously knew the Lord. He would paid the price for, for, for fellowship. He was hanging with God. He had, God spoke to him in a vision. Visions are normal. So I don't have any of those. Well, you can't. He sat there and he had this vision and God basically says to him, can you imagine, come on, you're home, you're listening to your vineyard CD or something, you just listen to Hillsong, you're all worshipped up in your house, you're reading your Bible and, say, and, and, and all of a sudden you have this vision and the Lord says to you, Jane Doe, yes my Lord, Osama bin Laden, is in a house on Snow Goose. Third house on the right. He's there. He had an encounter with me. I want you to go talk to Osama. Come on. Jane Doe, John Doe, whatever your name is. You have a vision like that. Can you imagine? It's the same thing. This is Mr. Christian Killer. This is the Christian Killer comes to Damascus, Ananias gets talked to by God, and Ananias says, excuse me, perhaps you didn't know that he was a persecutor of the church, and he's come with some letters, and he starts telling God all this stuff, like God doesn't know all of that. <laughs> excuse me, maybe you got the wrong guy. Wrong guy, different guy? Is this a different Saul? Different Tarsus guy? No, no, that's him. Go lay hands on him. I'd have argued at least three or four more times. I don't know about you, but in Scripture it just says he got up and he went. I mean, he had Google directions. Go to the street cold straight. He had the map. Go to the street cold straight. Knock on, knock on, the, knock on the door. There, that disciple. Yeah. He's there. Lay hands on him. Because he's going to receive the Holy Spirit. Well, that'll preach all in itself. The Holy Spirit. Paul ends up getting Saul later, is named Paul, ends up being used by God. Let me just make a few more points and we'll be done for this morning. Where are you in your walk with God? Amnesia is a recipe for a disaster for a believer. Where were you when you when he visited you, when you found him? And has that fire, that that hunger been put out? Maybe you're here and you've never found God, never experienced him. You can. You not only can, God wants you to. Are you apathetic? Are you lethargic to the things of God? Are you just sort of going through the motions? Or are you hungry? For those of you that aren't hungry, I share this testimony. A sister of ours was on our staff for years. 
Joelle Moore, Minister Joelle Moore, she's leading worship over in Kauai right now. She was at a meeting where the power of God was just being manifested everywhere. God was touching people. People were getting healed. People weeping, people crying, people laughing. That's what happens when God really shows up. And you'll see that in Scripture. You say, really where? Garden of Gethsemane, this, the, the, they came to take Jesus. They said, who do you, he says, who do you seek? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. He said, I am he. Thud. They all fell to the ground. You'll see in, 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 at the dedication of the temple, it says the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud. There can come visitations of the Spirit of God where nobody's ministering except Jesus. But we've relegated and wound down, tuned down, tried to relax our services to the point where we're just teaching something. And we'll just teach you and hope that you have that out there. That's not even biblical. We've elevated the teaching gift to the highest gift that there is in America. And it's just one of the five-fold gifts. It's just one. We've said it this, this before. If all you do is get taught, then you'll dry up. <laughs> if all you do is have the Spirit, then you'll blow up. Come on, come on. some of you know some people that are like... Some of you know some people that live their, their spiritual nutjobs. You say Jesus, they go cross-eyed and fall out. <laughs> you tell me how that's going to affect somebody out there. How are you going to reach somebody with that? Jesus, ah! Fun. Be like, it's going to be moments where the power of God comes on people. You know, one of the interesting things that's happening all across America <laughs> is that God's coming on like the dignified people. Now, you know when there's a businessman who's been in a service and he enjoys the presence of God, but there ain't no way he's going to go cross-eyed and fall out in a parking lot. You know when somebody like that falls out in a parking lot? That God's doing something. That's happening more and more and more. He'll touch you in direct proportion to the hunger that you have. And he'll use other people. You need other people. Amen. Come on, Saul needed Ananias. Ananias never heard from again in Scripture, just one time. He had paid the price and his discipleship enough to know, be able to hear the voice of God. Are you hearing the voice of God? Well, I, I don't know. I don't know about that. His voice? Do I hear you mean audible? Are you hearing his voice? Is he speaking to you? Look, let me say, he is speaking to you. Are you listening? I was talking with one of our, our young ones in the church. And they began to tell me how they were in the backyard of their house. And all of a sudden, all the noises that were around them, a lawnmower, different things, they couldn't hear any of them. This is one of our kids that are up, upstairs. They couldn't hear any noises all of a sudden. And the wind, she said, saw the wind blow in the trees. And then it stopped and felt this strong wind in, in front of them. And then strong wind behind. And they said, it was a little scary. I thought, oh, I understand. And they said, you know when somebody's standing right behind you and you know it? I go, yeah. 
That's what happened. What do you think that was? I said it was probably an angel. I said, wow. And then they go on to tell me. I see them sometimes. Tears in their eyes telling me this. With the witness of the Spirit. Heaven was on what they were telling me. It wasn't just, oh yeah, I saw an angel today. We shook hands, slapped five. They're behind me. Yeah. The witness of the Spirit, that heaven was on it, they're telling me. I said, I see them sometimes, like an outline. and Sometimes it's really scary, but then I know it's okay. So I coached them. Because what I believe God is doing with that person, that little one, is trying to bring them into a deeper encounter with the Lord. What, what they told me was this, was interesting. They said... I know, I know they're there to, to, to do something. And then I explained that angels are ministers of flames of fire doing the bidding of the Lord. They, they come down the ladder, you know, Jacob's ladder. They come down, they go up, they come down on assignment. They return up having completed that assignment. They're sent by the Lord. At his word, he sends forth angels. So angels are nothing that to be worshipped. And you're not to seek for an angelic experience. Otherwise, you end up might inventing your own religion like some other religions we know. You never seek for an angelic encounter. You seek Jesus. You seek God. You seek Him. But in the process, you'll have experiences that will happen. And so, they began to tell me, well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little scared because there was this one lady that we heard about when an angel came, and I stopped, I stopped the child and said, whatever other people's experience and encounters are, they're not yours. And you just, whatever happened with whatever story you heard could be true. Maybe it's true. I hope it's true. But maybe it isn't. I said, the truth is that you were firmly planted in the love of God and you don't have to worry about one thing. See, if you don't have the love of the Father settled, then you'll never have an encounter. Oh, Jack, that, that is good right there. I tripped on it. Oh. If, you, if, you, if you're not settled about how God really loves you, how He's crazy about you, and how He, he just rejoices over you with singing, and he's, He would do nothing to hurt you, nothing to harm you, nothing to terrify you, you know, and, and, and mark you. All He wants to do is wrap His arms around you, love on you, and release you into greater goodness and love and revelation so that you can touch and affect the earth for Him. That's, that's what He wants to do. If that's not settled in your heart, then any time you enter into some encounter with God or He begins to come, you'll shy away from that because you're afraid He'll backhand you like your earthly father did. Need healing. So I told, I told this child, when that happens now, what I want you to do is to press in. As Samuel said, Here am I, Lord. What do you want to do? What do you want? You want to say something? You cannot and will not we will not have a revival unless people have an encounter with God. I was reading the requirements for uh, prayer ministry in a church. Well, it's, uh, it's Bethel, uh, Bill Johnson's church. It's the requirements that they have for releasing people to pray in the altar. Here's one of the requirements. Have you, had, have you had an encounter with God? And tell me about it. That, it's on the application. Have you, had, have you had an encounter with God, renewal, transformation? 
and, and tell us about it. In other words, it's not, are you saved? Well, that's one of the questions, too. But it's, it's are you saved and have, as, has God met you on the road to Damascus? Have you had a road to Damascus encounter? And it doesn't necessarily have to look like Acts 9, but it does have to be something for you. And I will tell you this, until you have that, this walk with the Lord is, is very difficult. Very difficult. I don't know how people do it without the Spirit. I do not know. And I don't know how people do it. There was all of the pull of the world and the pull of temptation and all of the, the world, the flesh, the devil, all of that stuff, not to mention generational iniquity and just the, 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 the cords of sin were so strong in my personal life. And then I realized that my, my life is common to, to all men. It was so strong in my life that there's no way that if I didn't have an encounter, I wasn't going to be just a good little Christian. I needed something more. Yeah, I needed something more. Micah, would you come? But others are involved, Ananias. There'll be others that are involved. You've got to build relationships. You've got to build accountability. You'll notice that Saul, all of this happens in the context of being with people. He's with people. He's staying in somebody's house. He begins to move forward in the plan of God, but it wasn't all by himself. An encounter with God will bring you closer to Him and closer to other people. Let me say that again. An encounter with God, a vision from the Lord, will cause you to deepen in your relationship with Jesus and will cause you to deepen in your relationship with people. Some folks are so... They're so out there. They have no accountability. Nobody's able to speak into their lives. They, they're constantly having dreams with towers and angels and stuff. And it doesn't do anything to help anybody. They just stay secluded in their, in their little homes, maybe, or in their life. It's just not, it doesn't bring any change. It's, it, it's not real. It might not be real. The purpose of the tower and the dream and the vision is to bring you into a tremendous Walk with the Lord, but not just that. is to bring you also deeper in relationship with other people. And if that's not happening, look, if you've got chaos, oh boy. If, met, if your life is all jacked up in all the relationships that you have, you can have all the dreams and visions you want. I'm just telling you something's wrong with you. It's not everybody else. I'm not feeling the love. I'm going back here. Praise the Lord. Lord, speak to people, right? Help me, God. Help me. Talk to them in Jesus' name. Come on. God's trying to talk to you. If your life is all jacked everywhere, you can't keep friends. You can't keep relationships. You constantly have strife. You constantly, things are constantly going wrong, constantly having money problems, constantly having emotional problems, constantly going from one emergency to the next, and you want to point the finger at everybody else. Newsflash. It's you. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. Don't be deceived. Find a place of worship. You notice that, that Saul, who becomes Paul, Saul goes to synagogue. Synagogue, the high priest, and all, he, he, he goes to the temple later on. I mean, he goes to the synagogue at this point. How many of you think that the synagogue was 
fairly messed up. They crucified Jesus, okay? Don't tell me about a church. The minute some, this is going to hurt, so brace yourself. The minute somebody tells me I'm not going to that church anymore because I'm not getting fed is an admission of their own immaturity in Christ. The church is not so, the church is supposed to help equip you, but look if you're not if you're not feeding and having your own encounters and your own worship time at home and developing a life with Christ, you'll blame the church for you being dry? Give me a break. I just know for a fact you couldn't have that excuse here. I just know that. I'm told. I believe it. Come on, somebody say, I'm going to have an encounter. Stand up on your feet. Examine your life. Have you met Jesus like that? Have you, has He touched you in such a way that everything's changed for you? The pull of sin and all of that isn't, doesn't have its glimmer, its shimmer. The bling is gone from all of it. The glitz is removed. Because when you really find Him, now I know that many of you are in process. Just don't stop. Don't stop. Have an encounter with God. Don't settle. Don't rest on your laurels. Just because you prayed some sinner's prayer and you're in some discipleship group, then you just go, well, that's it. No, there's so much more. There's so much more. And revival will come when we begin to get like enough people to throw off the yoke of the enemy, get serious about living for God, serious about living holy for Him, begin to have hunger for Him, more than Xbox 360, more than the girlfriend or the boyfriend, begin to hunger for God and, and, and having encounters with Him more than anything else. And they go about their daily life and their business, their school. They go about their walk with Jesus in their life, touching people, testifying, declaring, laying hands on the sick, seeing, seeing them recover, praying in new tongues, being walk, walking with Jesus, being filled with fire and zeal and passion, forgiving one another... And some of you are so offended, you're like an offense waiting to happen. The minute somebody looks sideways at you, then you just like, oh, you need to get over it. And realize that you should be dead. I've got rights. Listen, you should be dead, ma'am, sir. Let me tell you what you deserve. Death. Yeah, you want what you deserve? I'm going to tell you right now, you, you, don't, you don't want what you deserve. Is anybody hearing me right now? All of sin and fallen short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. But it isn't only but for the grace of God that we receive Jesus. When we ask Him to forgive us and to come into our lives, that He then is, wipes out our sin and He makes us a new creation. The first step in revival is you've got to repent and give your heart to Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed, those online. If you're not right with God, get right with Him this morning. I mean, what are you waiting for? Quit making excuses and pointing at everybody else. I'm not talk, encouraging you to join this church. You need to be a part of some local church, for sure. That's just part of a healthy walk. 
In fact, if you're, if you're not and don't want to be part of a local church, there's something wrong with your salvation, period. I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about really coming to God and saying, you know what, I don't want, I, I want this encounter. I want this new life. If God could change a Saul and make him a Paul, it doesn't matter where you are in your walk with God. It doesn't matter where you are in life. He can change you. He can take away the pain. He can take away the sadness. He can take away the, the, the bondage. He can free you from depression. He can heal your body. You've got to have an encounter with God. God wants to give us a great revival. The first thing is, you must meet Him in a real way that changes everything. Not just a religious intellectual assent where you believe, yeah, I believe in my head. Not just reading your Bible, but meeting the author. And the finisher of your faith. Meeting Him. Have you met Him? If you have met Him like that, you'll know right where it was. You'll remember takes other people and God's got a plan for you but it's a plan that's in the context of covenant there's defining moments in history that change have changed history have you had the defining moment each and every one of you out there have you had that defining moment with God where you've met him and he's changed you if you want to give your heart to Jesus in recommitment or for the first time all across this place, if that's you, every eye, eye closed, every head bowed, you want to give your heart to the Lord, just slip your hand up right now. You want to give your heart to Jesus. You want a new life. New life. You want to receive it. Boldly. You really want it. Those online, God bless you. Anybody else? Come on. In the end, it's just you. Are you right with God? All right, maybe. God bless you. Thank you for your honesty. Maybe, you know, maybe you're here and you've received Jesus, but you've not really had a, a dramatic encounter with them. God can do that many, many different ways. I'm going to pray that for you right now. After we just make reaffirm our faith. Pray this. Say, Dear Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for rising again from the grave. Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. And be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you now to have a a deeper encounter with God. I'm going to pray that for myself. I'm going to pray it for all of us. And then we're going to close. Father, thank you. Let us encounter you in a new way. We are hungry for you. We don't want to be reduced to a bunch of religious people. Lord, we want to be encountered by you in your presence, your power. We want to be used by you. We want to live in accountability. We want to know you power of your resurrection, the fellowship of your sufferings. Release vision. Release encounters, Lord, for your people. Break off religion and the fear of man. Heal hearts that are riddled with fear. Fear of you. What you will do. Touch them now. 
in Jesus' name. We thank and praise you for it. Amen. Would you be seated for just a moment? Ushers, would you help me? On the first Sunday of the month, we take a missions offering. This is going to go to the international works and missionaries that we support. We do this once a month. There's been an occasion when we've had a special guest and we've not taken that, but Many of you have signed mission pledge forms and stuff like that. So we're going to receive our our missions offering. If you need an envelope, just raise your hand. I know my wife does. Please. I'm going to give to missions right now. We do this once a month. You know, I like asking hard questions like, where's the power of God? Where's the power of God in your life? If you read the book of Acts, then you just, you look at the different things that happen through Scripture, and then just place yourself in there, and your life. And let me ask you, do you have the power of God in your life? And if the answer if the answer is, well, sort of, praise God for that. But let's go deeper. Let's ask, you know, I've I found in my own life when I get cornered and I really need Him to come through for me, it's at those times that I'm really broken, really hungry, that I reach and I will, I, I, I have enough word in me to know that if I reach for Him, to reach for the hem of His garment. I touch the hem of His garment. Something's going to change. I have countless testimonies about how God showed up and how God came through. Impossible scenarios. Healing my children. Hannah on the verge of death when she was born. Healed. God healed her. I think the problem is in America we have so much that we're not really hungry. Because, I mean, you know, you can rely on your own need. You can rely on your own giftings. your, Your own... your own gifts. And it doesn't bother some that they still, at 30 years old, live at home and, and, and use their mother's social security check because we've become so depraved. you got to get a bigger God than social security. Amen. Thank God for social security. Amen. got to get a bigger, bigger God of the welfare system. Hello. I've known people that, that don't want to be healed because if they get healed, then they're not going to get the check. For real. Can I pray for you? No. I, now, obviously, there's cases that are different. And I'm not meaning to mock any of that. But if the shoe fits, where? There are people that want to stay sick, want to stay broken, want to stay in institutions because they, their level of healing is such that they feel that there's no way that they can move on from that. And again... I don't want to offend anybody. That's not always the case. There's situations that things happen. Accidents. And God can do miracles even then. Let's pray for this missions offering. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in Chile, what you're doing, God, in Argentina, in our new church there. God, what you're doing all over the nations of the earth. We pray for the churches in Mexico. 
Lord, that they would continue to grow. It's all of our, our 13 churches in the Philippines. God, you'd cause them to grow and flourish. Lord, you touch the church in Japan. You touch the church in Fiji. You touch our extensions, God, in, in French Polynesia. You would touch our extensions, God, in uh, all of these different nations. In the name of Jesus, thank you for opening up Europe. Touch our extension churches, I pray. Touch all of our missionaries. God, I pray for those in Jerusalem, for Henry and Darlene Matarita. God, in Jerusalem, as their missionaries there, that you would touch them, that you'd protect them, that you would touch our missionaries in Africa. In the name of Jesus, that you would touch all of our missions and use this offering to multiply it many times over to bring the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to the far-flung corners of the world that people may have an encounter as well. We thank and praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead, ushers. As soon as you've given, just go ahead and stand up on your feet. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Again, don't miss tonight, 6 o'clock. I suggest you bring a steak knife. Going to really dig into the Word tonight. It's going to be great. Going to be great. Hardly wait. It's going to be good. Somebody say hallelujah. Take someone's hand all across this place. Take someone by the hand and we'll pray. Lord, touch your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them. Keep them. Give them peace. Give them encounters. Change us like you changed Jacob. Like you changed Abraham. Like you changed Isaac. Like you changed Lazarus. Like you changed Peter. Like you changed the Apostle Paul. Release encounters, Lord, for your people. Divine encounters, defining moments by which our entire lives, our family and our community would be changed. Release a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. That we may know the hope of our calling as it says in Ephesians Open heaven. I bind off secular humanism. A scientific model. Lord, you're beyond all of that. Move me on the confines of our minds. God is spirit and those that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. God, release an outpouring of your spirit Bring a revival, God. Bring a revival, Lord. Bring revival to Wasilla, to Alaska, to our nation. And use us, God, to do it as we encounter You. And bring that encounter to others. We thank and praise You for it in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. God bless you. We hope to see you tonight. Leaders meeting at 5 o'clock.